coders. Hello, hello, hello. It is episode, gosh, what are we on now? 148? 148. And it is Thursday, the 24th of February. I have to make an apology. Last week, I I didn't stream. In fact, I haven't been streaming for a while. And I've had such a massively busy uh, few few weeks um, that unfortunately I couldn't stream uh, because I was in London and I was in London for PHP UK, the PHP UK conference um, in London. My first time at that conference um, and that is an in-person conference as well. Um, So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk a little bit about that as well as talk about some bug tracking tools. some some experiences that I've had with various bug tracking tools that we've used uh, that I've used in the in the past, and uh, I'll give you some of my the best ones and the the, the not so good ones that I've used before. Um, so there is a lot to talk about. I mean, the change log is huge. It's a, <laughs> going through my notes here. It is as big as the the con- the actual bug stuff that I want to talk about. <laughs> ah, hello Bernard from Reading. Oh. That's very local. Thank you for uh, joining. I uh, I appreciate that. It's nice to know where you are. Thank you very much, Bernard. Um, yeah, so busy, 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 busy. So, okay, okay, we'll start off. There was a few weeks, uh, and then I did... A few, a few weeks before PHP UK, I think, um, I, I did a talk at PHP Southwest, and this was another in-person talk. PHP Southwest is in uh, Bristol. And um, my talk that I created was uh, code code with confidence using PHP Stanner. To think about that then, remember what the name of my own talk was. Code with confidence using PHP Stan. And I gave that in person at PHP Southwest. That was brilliant. The feedback that I had was fantastic. And I was able to take that feedback and adjust the talk. Um, and then PHP UK happened and I was there for uh, Thursday and Friday. I got stuck in the storms. Um, (laughs) so I had to have an extra night over there and I didn't get back until, um, until late Saturday. Lots of problems with the trains, but PHP UK, there was some really interesting talks that I went to see. I've, I've, I've listed some of them, not all of them. I've listed some of them down here of the ones that, um, that I went to see. Uh, first of all, the keynote was great. It, the keynote, um, was, uh, from Pauline. She gave a never stop learning or the curiosity of cross pollination, um, which drives innovation. That was a talk that kind of was, it was very inspiring because it, 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 she went into depth as to the various different things that have happened in history that have sort of cross-pollinated ideas. Um, and sort of, you came away thinking, hmm, yeah, maybe I will try various different things. There's lots of transferable skills. There's lots of uh, things that can cross-pollinate. Um, you know, we do, we do a little bit of work and uh, we can easily get siloed in this sort of bubble of this is what my work's going to be. But in fact, that, that could actually be used for something else. I mean, I know that sounds very abstract, but you'll have to check out the keynote. It's very awesome. Uh, and then I went to see a talk on Open API by uh, Rob Allen. That was full of really useful uh, resources and a guide to the Open API configuration. Now, I have if I was to build 
the How to Code Well platform with an API, like I did originally when we were dealing with microservices, because I thought that was the, the way to go, um, I would probably be using Open API um, because of the things that Rob uh, mentioned on the talk. Lots of resources, lots of lots of configuration um, guides and stuff that he he uh, he gave, and it was a good, it was a humorous talk as well. I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then I saw, so this was, this is just on the Thursday. And then I saw a talk uh, regarding improving documentation by um, Alexandra White. And uh, so that, that was a talk where I was like, hmm, do I really want to go and see a talk about documentation as someone who is a developer who writes code? Is this actually going to be useful to me? And in fact, it was. It was very useful to me um, because, <laughs> funnily enough, right now I'm actually writing a lot of documentation um, for uh, for the for the project that I'm on. And it was it was it was just it just kind of the talk happened at the right time. You know, I mean, it was it was like it was almost like the talks were tailored for my sort of part of the career um, at the moment, and that was one of them. So that was a really good talk. Um, documentation is something that we shouldn't, we shouldn't, uh, just dismiss. It's something that we, we should care about as developers. Okay. So then I went to see a talk, uh, by Stacy Cashmore. Um, and that was to embrace the pitfalls, um, of our start or our start, uh, sorry, our stop start journey to change. This was very funny. This was incredibly relatable. Um, she went into some really interesting, <laughs> really, really sort of almost, I would say, very close to one to one kinds of experiences that I've had in the past where, you know, she went through the whole testing sort of scenario and then, and, you know, feeling like, everything was 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 going well and then put it out to production and then things didn't go so well um and there was this uh the the conversations that she had with her team and and stuff you know i've i've been in that played in that sort of uh sand pit before so it was really good so if you get a chance to see that then uh, then do very funny very relatable the closing keynote on thursday was by um uh, Sam Bellen, and that was a, a regarding passwords. Um, passwords are so nineteen ninety. That was good because um, it, uh, it explained how to um, how to use passwordless um, <clears throat> using things like um, uh, you know UTP and uh, I forget the other technologies that he mentioned, but um, it. He he even showed us a demo where you could you could log in without a username. It's kind of mind boggling, but uh, it can happen. And he was talking about YubiKeys, really important things. Um, so yeah, on the Friday there was the keynote, which was open source is for good. This was by uh, uh, Lorna uh, Lorna Jane Lorna Jane Mitchell, and uh, this really opened my eyes to the um, the open source and how open why open source is good for business i always i've always been on the fence with open source because for myself building things because i've always 
kind of felt a bit nervous. You know, I use a lot of open source technology, but if the things that are generating me money are open source, surely I'm just giving my stuff to competitors, but it's not, it's not really like that. I've kind of grown out of that way of thinking. And she, she started talking about the various ways that um, open source maintainers can actually get paid and can, uh, can, can be helped. And that was really good. I think this is a very important, you know, topic because there is a lot of issues, of course, right now with open source, um, where the open source maintainers feel very burnt out. They're very pressure uh, pressurized in upgrading PHP. They're you know keep, keeping backwards compatibility on old legacy versions and stuff. Um, so it was a very timely talk. Very timely talk. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then this was this was a crazy uh, crazy talk um, regarding PHP fibers. Uh, this is by I'm gonna really butcher the names here, but Mil- Milko uh, Krostakov. Uh, so PHP fibers is this thing that I had heard of, and I was just like, no, this isn't possible. And I actually saw him create an example of of PHP um, async code. Mind-boggling, mind-boggling stuff. Uh, but I came away th- really inspired. There is some useful things that you can do with async PHP, specifically around I/O operations. So when you're, say, for instance, you are um, doing something that that requires a lot of operations to to the disk, or you're building things, or you're processing things, or you're communicating to various different, um, I don't know, you know, databases and stuff. Then, then uh, usually because you know PHP just runs on one on one sort of lane, if you will, um, things get blocked. You have to wait until that process is done. But in fact, with with uh, the the asyncness of PHP fibers, you can actually do more. You can you can uh, and he he showed a really good example of creating a loop and then adding um, jobs to this loop and they were processing it whenever they were ready, which was brilliant. Um, and there's some really good uh, things that I've thought of, or, well, I don't know whether they're good things, but I've thought of a few things that could be useful with uh, with uh, this uh, PHP fibers. I might play with it sometime. He also did a really good talk on, um, <laughs> on JavaScript versus PHP as well. That was... Uh, and, and how evil we can get <laughs> sort of comparing PHP um, sort of JavaScript prototypes. You know, I can do this in JavaScript. Can I do this in PHP? And uh, using a lot of magic methods and stuff in PHP. This isn't anything to do with the PHP fibers talk. He did another talk on JavaScript and, uh, and, and uh, PHP. And that was so good. He's a really good speaker. Um, and then uh, I saw a talk... Um, by okay, here's another name I'm gonna screw screw with. Uh, Dristi Jan Jane, and this was around regarding the blockchain. So a talk on the blockchain and crypto. Hop is called Hop on the PHP blockchain rocket to the moon. Now this was a handy talk for those who are very new to to the blockchain. I, I felt because it, she explained a lot of the what's. Um, not so much the hows, but the whats, you know, the whats and the whys. Um, so what is, so for example, what is a nonce? What is a blockchain? What is a miner? What, how, and, and, um, 
and why should these things happen why why do they why do we have um these things uh in in crypto um yeah that was good i wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of an advanced talk though um where we actually get into some of the nitty-gritty parts of the code she did show some code examples but um it would be nice to actually get your hand my hands dirty again this is something i wouldn't mind doing on the stream one day is just seeing how we can actually code something on the blockchain i think that would be quite an interesting challenge um and then i saw a great talk by uh david lidament uh about practical advanced static analysis um so i did a talk on static analysis at php southwest and this was a different spin on uh static analysis uh, with php stand so it was very good to see uh the different sort of the the different contexts that you can well i shouldn't say context the, di- the sort of the different angles that you can you can approach this different mindsets it was it was it was a good talk um and uh, and then there was this thing where uh it was a vcr and this was by uh uh, James, um, sorry, James, I don't have your surname here, but James, um, w- it was Betamax to VCR hardening, harden your API integration tests. So, <laughs> excuse me, VCR is, it's a open source uh, project that records your API, re- res- I want to say responses, I may have got that wrong, Um uh, no, it is. It is. You, it, it records the API responses and then you can replay them. So a bit like, a you know, a VCR. Yeah. So, you know, a, a videotape. So you can record the API and and then run them, which means that you can um, you can use the recording in your um, in your integration tests, which means that you can just run the recording rather than actually hit the endpoints. Um, and then obviously when the endpoints change, you then, you know, create a new recording but these recordings you can commit to source control which means that you then have a history of the you know various different api calls so that is incredibly interesting that as well as the open api talk again if i was to do anything with apis those two things are something that i would be uh, very interested in the open api and the vcr for integration testing um and then finally there was a uh, a keynote closing keynote by uh, michael cullum uh regarding like lead- leading in tech um another good talk there um about becoming sort of a leader and what what is a leader in tech some good comparisons between various different roles job types in in this uh, wonderful world of of uh software development that we're in <laughs> Ah, right. So that was PHP UK. It was a very busy weekend. Um, well, last a couple of days. And that was in London. And then when I got back, I then gave the PHP, uh, uh, the code with confidence with P- using PHP Stan um, talk again at a uh, Symphony user group in Portugal. That was a remote thing. I did that um, this week, actually. Um that was very good. Again, I got some good feedback to that too. And I'm going to be giving that talk again to other user groups remotely as well in the future. I'll let, I'll let you guys know. Um, but circling back a bit to the PHP UK, I met some really great people. I hooked up with some uh, old colleagues as well. And um, 
uh, I met some new friends as well. Uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to Joel, the developer. Uh, we've we spent uh, a good portion of time together having a beer. We even played um, sort of table football, which is awesome. Um, he has a YouTube channel. He does content um, which talks about development and the mindset of the devs. So his channel is called Joel, the developer. So um, he, he did the latest one, which was handling your ego as a developer, which um, very good, very, very good. Well, well done. So um, do check out his channel. I'll put links to his show notes, links to his, his uh, YouTube channel in the show notes too. Um, then <laughs> straight after PHP UK, like literally the day after when I got back on the Sunday, uh, we got a puppy. <laughs> So you know, out of the frying, fire into the out of the frying pan into the fire is that the saying? It was um, yeah. So we got a puppy. He's eight weeks old. He's um, an English Springer Spaniel. He is super cute, and his name is Goose after Top Gun. Um, so yeah, we have Goose and we have Murphy. So Murphy is two and a half years old, another English Springer Spaniel, and then we have Goose, which is eight weeks old. And, um, yeah, that we're doing all the usual things that you would do with puppies right now. So, you know, uh, toilet training, um, crate training, all sorts of, you know, stuff. My hands are covered in cuts and bruises. Well, not bruises, just cuts from from uh, his teeth because he's starting to teeth now. So, yeah, interesting times. I'm incredibly tired, <laughs> but I'm fueled with coffee. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. So that's the changelog. That's that's me. That's what I've been up to. It's been um it's been a wild ride and uh I'm hoping that the next few weeks will be a little bit sort of calmer and I can actually do more of a curated curated is that the word curated uh set of podcasts. And what I'm going to be talking about now is uh what makes a good bug tracking tool. So or the best bug tracking tools. So what I've done is I I've as usual, I've got some notes down here as to what I think makes a good bug, bug tracking tool. And um, I I have also listed some bug tracking tools that I've used before and my experiences with them. So, yes. Um, ah, I'm being asked a question. Uh, Bernard uh, has asked, are you able to share the link from Rob, OpenAPI? Yes. Uh, let me... Um, I don't have it, but let me, I'll, I'll dig it out. I'll see if I can find it. Um, or I'll see if there is something around that I can, I can give you, um, either the slides if, if, uh, he'll allow it or, um, some, some documentation on Opium API. Cause I was having a look at stuff myself when I got back, I was like, Ooh, I quite fancy building an API now. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll, <coughs> I'll tweet it out later. All right. So, at, uh, or and when I do have it, I'll update the document, the uh, the the description of the show notes thing uh, with a link to uh, to the documentation that I found. Okay. So uh, bugs, bug tracker tools, and hey, hi. Thank you for uh, joining mine. Thank you very much, Mister Fish. Bug tracking tools. This is a topic that um, it's one of those things that. As a contractor, I have, I just use whatever is available, right? As in, so I've just used whatever the, the team uses. I don't have much input as to what tools are used. 
if I was a full-time developer, I would probably have more say in what the team does and how the team does, unless I was brought on as a consultant, uh, because then I can consult and say, these are the things that I've used in the past. And this is, you know, this is what I think fits for your project. Now, that's an important point. Not all uh, bug tools, bug tracking tools, um, are f- are good fits for all projects because because it really depends on what you're doing as to and the processes that you're in. Some projects and some teams they are more agile than other teams. So and some you know and and vice versa. Some teams and projects are more waterfall than other than other agile teams. Um, obviously, and this, and, th- and therefore they kind of lean more towards certain tools than others. Some are set up specifically for agile. Um, they're very flexible, very fluid, whereas others are quite sort of, you know, strict. Um, and, and they give you more tools for things like the change request process, um, change management and stuff like that as, uh, I've mentioned in the previous set of podcasts around um, those kind of things. So first of all, I'm going to give you some, some sort of views that I've got regarding what makes a good bug tracker tool, in my opinion. And again, this is my opinion. This is just, you know, this is just the last, I don't know, uh, 15, 20 years worth of, of, of uh, experience of using these things. So, you know, do take this with a pinch of salt because it's what has worked for me. It might not be working for you. Okay, so in my opinion, it doesn't matter what tool you use. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what tool you you could use. You could even use a spreadsheet, and I have used spreadsheets for for tracking bugs um, before. As long as you've got eyes on the issues that are coming in. Um, as long as you're aware of what's coming in and as long as the, the list, cause essentially that's what they are. They're just lists. Essentially. If you, if you, if you remove all of the, I don't know, the sugar on top, all the street furniture, these are just lists of bugs. And as long as you have eyes on that really, you know, laser focused eyes on the, on the list, as long as you're aware of the bugs, um, and as long as you're able to create your own uh, task or bug or ticket or whatever, however you want to call it easily, then, then that is good. If it works for you, it works for you. Um, and the, the sort of, the thing here is that friction hurts. Friction costs. Um, it costs time. What do I mean by friction though? What, what does that mean? So you, you want to make sure that the tool that you're using is easy to use, right? You don't want to have to go through a load of hoops and, and you don't, you, you want something that has a good user experience. You want something that is easily integrated with your current tool set because you're going to have, you're going to have a whole suite of tools. Um, it, it could even be, I mean, from the lowest point, you could have just word and a spreadsheet, right? Uh, word being where you collate your uh, your documentation of your system because you're going to have to document the system and then you've got your spreadsheet. But let's go on to the other end of the spectrum because you know you'll only be able to be on that for so long until your system gets too big, and then you'll be on things like I don't know Asana, you'll be on tr- uh, Trello, you'll be on Jira, you'll be on uh, Bugsnag, you'll be on all sorts of stuff. Um, 
and you'll have different tool sets. So you could have the Alatazan tool set. So you could have Jira, as I mentioned. You could have, um, I've gone and forgotten the names of them, Confluent, Confluence. Um, you could have Bitbucket. You could have all sorts of things that, that are within your tool set. And the thing with Alatazan, I'm picking on that a lot. I'm going to be picking on that a lot today, um, is that they are themselves their own ecosystem. So you'll find that one tool hooks very nicely in another tool. It's a nice walled garden. It's a nice walled garden, any, and, but it's very difficult to integrate. And, of course, they own Trello. Um, the, it's very difficult to integrate that with other tools outside of their ecosystem. Think of them like Apple, but for development. <laughs> um <laughs> So if you're if you are an if you if you do have an Alatazan license, then uh, it's it's very good. It's very good. Um, you also want to have a very low learning curve, and this is something that um, Alatazan, in my opinion, isn't very good at because there is a lot of things. I don't know. There's just a lot a lot of things that I have to teach myself. Um, even if the even if I go from one project to another project, and even if they are using the same Alatazan suite. The projects are set up very differently, and uh, there's a lot of there's a big learning curve. I find, um, you know, where all the documentations are stored, documentation is stored. Where is the structure of these things? Um, do, are we using epics? Are we using story points? Are we using all sorts of crazy stuff? And I know that's specific to the uh, project, but it's not very. Ob- it it doesn't always become obvious um, to you. And there are certain things in Alatazan. Is it? I want to call it Alatazan. It probably isn't pronounced like that. And I'm probably going to get picked up on it. Um, but anyway, um, where was it going? Yes, it's not always obvious that there are integrations with other Alatazan products as well. You just kind of have to suck it and see, really. Um, but anyway, so you want to make sure that there's a low uh, low learning curve. Y- you want to make sure it's easy to integrate outside of the current ecosystem, which is what Atlatazan doesn't really have. So w- if you've got um, a-, a tool that is outside of the ecosystem, you want to have the ability to communicate to that tool. Um, okay, you, it's, it needs to be in, uh, easy to integrate with your current tool chain. Um, and it should just be generally easy to use. This is all what the friction means, right? So low friction. Friction costs. It costs time because yeah, yeah, it's a journey of discovery, trying to learn how to do this thing, use this tool in the way that you actually want to do. And to be honest, let's boil it down. It's a list. It's just a list. Um, it's a list, and on that list, there is a link or two that goes off to some other documentation piece or some it's attached to a pull request or it's attached to a line of code. You know, that's all it is. That's all it is. It's just a list with HTML. Um, okay. The next part is that you it wants to be quick uh, and easy to install and set up, as in literally I'm going to press a button that says install and it's done <laughs> and it's done. There's a question to be asked, will it be self-hosted? So are you actually looking after this thing? Or is it going to be a paid service that you're you are actually doing a monthly subscription to? Now, because of the money side of it, it that has a lot of um, uh, impact as to whether or not you're going to use those kind of tools because most of the paid tools uh, rely on uh, user seats as in user licenses so you say that you know you have 
X amount of employees. These are their email addresses. Send them invite codes, which means that if you're if you get bigger in in terms of your business, you get more employees. That means your license fee is going to have to go up because you're going to have to have add-ons to add um, more people, more user seats to your application, to your tool set, um, which can cost and incredibly a lot a lot of money so that is that is a question that one has to ask and i would probably suggest that if you were to go through the 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 free versions and there's a number of them here you want to make sure that there is a good path of upgrading to a paid version and whether that's the, the same tool, so from free to paid, or whether it's from a, a, a completely open source free tool, bug, bug list, to something that's completely different, a totally different product, um, but, but is a, a bugs list. You want to make sure that they, they can eventually um, be upgrade. You can upgrade them to, sorry. The word I'm looking for is migration. You want to make sure that you can migrate from one product to another product easily. Um, you know, you don't want to find that actually you you now are able to purchase user seats, but you have a huge history of bugs that you want to um, export and import into your new fancy shiny tool. Okay, so question Will it be self-hosted or will it be paid? If it's self-hosted, then that's a whole another set of fun that you have to deal with. Security is a massive one, obviously, because like you're talking about, you know, bugs in your code. You really don't want that to go anywhere else other than your team. <laughs> you really don't want people logging in who shouldn't be logging in. And also... Uh, you want to make sure I haven't even put this point in here, but you know, I've just, just cropped into my head. When someone leaves your team, you want to make sure that you can adjust the permissions in a way that just locks people out or how you gives you granular control over what they see and what they don't see or what, what kind of edit rights and read uh, or write, write rights, you know, read and write rights. Huh. Uh, I'm sure there's a better way of saying it. I'm tired. I have a puppy. Um, so, so, um, you want to make sure that they have, there's a metric, uh, a metric, no, a matrix of permissions that you can turn on and off. And when someone leaves your team, you can just remove them from the suite entirely. Um, there are things, there are tools that, that uh, have things like single sign-on, for instance. So if you have a business domain and your employees have that as their email address, as the TLD, then you can, um, see, I'm half awake, uh, you can use that and say, you know, everybody who has this at blah, 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 dot com address, they can, they can access it and you know, again, this all comes with user fees and, and whatnot. I don't even know where I am on my list anymore. Uh, okay, yes. Yeah, so can you import your current bugs and tasks? So can you import them from like a CSV or some other way of doing an import? Um, can you export as well? So if if you do a trial, for instance, and you're doing a, one of these sort of trial, 15-day uh, uh, trial jobbies, and you create a, a whole bunch of bugs, are you able to export them um, in, a, in a format that other tools can use? Does it have an API? You know, 
can you actually do things uh communicate to other things um without having to go through huge amounts of hoops uh can all of your devs use use it on their platforms so is it just locked down to microsoft or is it locked down to mac you know is is there an app for it um is there a mobile app for it for instance um the, they those questions are um, really important, especially when you're actually considering buying something, because now we're all working from home. So, you know, and some people might be, you know, in a in a, an environment where they don't have Wi-Fi. Uh, and so they, they're dealing with mobile data. So how does that work? You know, is is it easy to use? Uh, okay, so how can uh, it in- integrate well with other tools? So I kind of touched on this a little bit, but this is more specifically to do with the other tools within your tool tool chain, tool chest, toolbox, whatever you want to call it. So things like um, think other tools that I've used before, things like you know obviously GitHub, um, Bitbucket. Um, my own GitLab instance, that those kind of things, um, not my own, but the client's own GitLab instance, AWS, uh, all sorts of other bits and pieces, but also also from the project management side of things, how about things like Harvest, so time tracking um, for things like invoices, you know, it's not all just about bugs, it, it, can, it can also hook into things that are um, for project management and, um, you know, just general day-to-day project-ness. Um, how about things like monitoring and reporting tools? So this is a really cool thing that um, a lot of these proje- these things that I'll be talking about, these tools in, in a minute, they, they do, and they do really well. Some of them do, at least. So monitoring and reporting. So are you able to set up some form of communication from a monitoring tool that will automatically creates you a bug, a ticket, a bug ticket, based on what's currently happening live on your site. I've worked on a project that that has happened, and that is amazing. It, it, like, that is so cool, because you, you literally, it's almost like you have um, another developer out there in the ether somewhere, and they are seeing all the logs all your error logs that is collected in some place and they're analyzing the error logs or the, just the access logs or the error logs or whatever. And if they spot something that is a, a really bad thing, like, like a 500 error, for instance, or a 400 uh, X error, for instance, then they, they will automatically send a message to um, your bug tracker and they will add a bug to that tracker. Now, if that error is happening more than once, or, you know, if it's happening a lot, for instance, it's not going to suddenly just pollute your your bug tracker with with thousands of the same thing. It's going to discover whether that, that bug already exists, and you could do this via uh, things like, you know, regular expression rules and stuff. Now, can your bug tracker do that? Because that is just gold. And... Can you integrate that with things like Slack? So not only does your bug tracker get automatically populated with bugs, so your backlog is being forever populated with actual bugs that are coming from 
the production box. And with those bugs comes a stack trace. <laughs> so all you need to do is look at the bug to know, and and also because it's got, uh, it could hook, hook into things like, um, uh, gosh, think Pete, brain, brain isn't working. Um, JavaScript headers, <laughs> because it can because it can read the header of the request. Um, it will know the referrer, so it will know where the user has come from, which means that you have an idea as to how to get to that particular error, that incident. Um, it's not always perfect. It's not always perfect, but it's certainly a, a good stab in the dark. And also, it can read the request. So if it's an API or if it's something with a query string, it will give you that. Um, it will give you that. So very good. Very awesome. Um and if you, yeah, if you can integrate that into Slack as well, or whatever communication thing that you're dealing with with your team, so you have a channel specifically to the bugs that are coming in, that that's so good. That's so, so good. And then, you know, flag them as some sort of, I don't know, category or whatever. Say it's automated, for instance. Um, and then, yeah, that's good. It gives your team a sense of what's actually happening right now, um, which is, you know, visual uh quick feedback loops is they're always important um does it have an api so or a web or webhooks a lot of what i've just talked about there about communication does rely on webhooks so communicating to other um tools by hook by calling specific webhooks and stuff like that does it have webhooks um does it have an API? Are, are you able to integrate it well with your other tools? So there, that is a sort of a quick list of things that, in my opinion, makes a good bug tracker. Um, but I'm going to now talk a little bit about the trackers that I've used in my, in my past life. And we can see... Um, ugh, stop these down. Yeah, sorry about that. Let me get rid of this... Uh, Da, 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 da. Sorry, I was not paying attention to the old chat. See, this is why I may I'm on the fence about bringing in guests on the show again because um, of this. <laughs> of this, uh, when I did guests on the show, uh, we were doing it was pre-recorded, so I would. And, and some of the guests that we did, I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's, it's something that has been on my mind. Um, when we had guests on the show, it was mostly season one and season two. And uh, we were able to do them pre-recorded. So they would come on. Um, we were either using, I think it was Skype or Zoom or whatever. And uh, we would we would do like, we would do, we, I would have a list of questions that they would already be aware of. And we would we would just have a nice chilled out conversation with no live chat with nothing you know it was just me and them, and I you know that was really good. The problem with that is that you know there's obviously an editing piece often, and this is you know this is something that I I offered for the guests to see the show before it went out, so I would give them a private link, um, which meant that I would have to do a lot of work up front. Um, because I would need to edit the show and then I would need to provide them with a link and then they would give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Some of them, you know, a lot of them said they just trusted me. So they would just put it out, which is great. But 
doing it from when you're editing a show it actually takes a long a really long time and i don't mean just come just removing things i got to a point where i didn't remove anything it was just a straight pass but the time that it takes is like audio levels not every guest had the same microphone <laughs> obviously um there were some times where there was some issues with the internet connections and all of that jazz um so i was doing a lot of uh stuff in post uh you know post editing and yeah it was it just took an awful amount of time but there is something that i i'm i'm just i just want to do it again i just want to have guests on the show again and i'm just trying to think of a way i can do it which is um which is um easier for me to do than last time um it was a massive rush i got into huge amounts of burnout last time when i was doing it and i've i stopped it and i thought if i was to ever do have guests on the show again it would be i would have to try and rethink how i did it to make my life a little easier it it takes a a, a massive amount of my time to to do it i would also have to you know research the guest um and then you know come up with the questions there was a lot of back and forth obviously um and then and then yeah so what a show that i did you know on a a for for every week um was usually done a couple of weeks in advance um which was always a juggle when you had to have you know when you had a, a schedule some guests unfortunately couldn't make it they didn't they, you know they had they had other other issues they were double booked uh sometimes i dropped the ball as well so there's always that um live doing things live is um for me i mean i just press the press the button and off i go um but i don't know if i want to have a live guest on the show i don't know and i think i think part of that is the the spam that i'm getting i think part of that is is if i was to get a guest and they were bombarded by some spammy sort of messages and i know that there are podcasters out there who do things live and they don't have the comments on but to me that feels a bit di- weird because you know if you're going to have it live then you kind of want to have that audience inter- interaction so i i don't know i'm i'm kind of sitting on the fence if i was to go the way of having it edited like i used to um then i would need to properly think about it and actually do some some um some shows well in advance uh so i might have to do like a batch of of interviews and then put it out, you know, drip feed them out. Also, I don't want to, I don't want to lose the liveness of the show as well. And I think this is, you know, right now I'm staring at a list of words and it's just like bullet points of things that I want to talk about. And I love going down rabbit holes and stuff. And um, there is that live element and questions get asked. And uh, I, you know, I feed off of that, which is great. So I don't want to lose that whole liveness and i do think that if you're having a live conversation with someone it does come across more genuine because you are in the moment you're in the moment and you want to share that moment with the audience so i yeah i don't really know i don't really know whether i don't know maybe i'll do a bit of both maybe i'll do a live show with a guest and maybe i'll do edited shows with a guest there are going to be obviously i would imagine more guests out there who don't want to be on on a on a live stream <laughs> who want to to be edited so you know maybe it's a time thing at the end of the day it's a time thing um and at the moment 
as I went through on the changelog, I don't have a lot of time right now, but it's something that I, I would love to do. Anyway, let's get back to the bugs. So, the bug tools that I've used. Um, so, uh, well, we're talking now well over 10 years ago. Um, I used a tool called Track, T-R-A-C. Uh, I don't even know if it exists anymore. And um, it was very... <laughs> I guess for that that, that that time it was it was okay, but right now you wouldn't even you you probably wouldn't even give it a glance at the moment because of the UI the UX isn't particularly good. There are far more better things out there at the moment. However, I'm going to have to say this caveat all of this by saying look, I haven't used these tools since since ten years ago plus. So they they may have changed, they may have improved, but um, Track was one of them, and also Bugzilla. So Bugzilla was, uh, or is, from Mozilla, Bugzilla Mozilla. Again, not fantastic UI uh, or, the, or the UX experience. It, it was very sort of um, basic, uh, basic, but it did, the, it did the job. It did the job. Um, it did the job. And then I used Redmine myself. Um, so this is a Ruby uh sort of track and project management tool and that was a self-hosted thing and again not that very uh user-friendly i thought not not very user-friendly uh also you would need to use ruby so if you if you weren't a ruby dev it would be very difficult to sort of get into the nitty-gritty code of it and see if you can do any customizations and stuff um that wasn't very easy to do but i chose it because i was sort of at the time, I was playing around with a bit of Ruby, and like, you know, Redmine was was something that I decided to just sort of have a play with. I actually created some pro- some projects that used Redmine, um, and then of course you got Jira, uh, Jira being the Latizan sort of uh, bug uh, bug tracker bug. I don't know, project management tool of choice. This is something that um, I've used a lot and various different projects, and they've all used it in a very different way. Some use it more on the agile side. They actually go through uh, all the way down to like the burn down charts. They use it in their different uh, sprint ceremonies. Um, other, and, and I've used this myself. I've actually self-hosted Jira myself, um, but that was a pain. That was a very painful experience um it, this has paid features the latizan uh, uh sort of suite has paid features obviously uh i believe it's all on license fees user seats as i mentioned before again if you're using the suite of other tools so you know the other things that uh, latizan has then uh you are in a good place because you know you can hook into various things like bitbucket uh confluence and all sorts of you know you know stuff which is good then you've got asana um i really personally like asana um i used that last year and a bit of the start of this year as well it was good i really liked it there's some lots of integrations as well things like harvest as i mentioned um and it was i just like the way that you can visually see what's going on very quickly so that's cool i do find jira can be a little bit clunky uh i think there is a clunky element to it and asana uh makes it a little bit i mean asana you've got unicorns so you know <laughs> and then of course you've got trello which is kind of very basic 
Okay, you can you start from a very basic level, but you can make it as complicated as you want. Sometimes you can make it too complicated, and then it just looks like a big Trello mess. Um, so it's very flex, uh, very very flexible, um, and it's not just for tech. I've used Trello before for a shopping list. <laughs> so you would use like the Trello app, and then I, you know, yeah, I just use that as like post-it notes. Essentially, essentially, that's what it is. Very good for things like um, Kanban as well incredibly flexible um and then i have played with monday.com um however well i say i've played with it i haven't played with it i've seen people play with it i've been involved in meetings where that was used um i don't i can't really say anything about it to be honest i don't really know much to be fair it was just a tool that someone was using and i was and i was there this spammer is coming back this is not good let's remove and report Oh dear! See, I mean, this is a reason why I'm thinking maybe, maybe I should just kill the whole uh, live thing anyway. Because, meh. Uh, Okay. So, also something that I have used before is a hand rolled hand rolled tool. So this is where um, the we actually created the tool. Um, I don't recommend doing this unless you are interested in actually selling it and licensing it yourself and giving it to a client um and that is awesome if you can use if 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 uh, they if you can provide them with a tool to uh list bugs in the application that you're building them or not just bugs but also rec- um features and stuff like that I, i've i've used the word bug a lot here but to be honest these tools are very good for just highlighting new features and documenting new features and stuff bugs features Sometimes they go hand to hand. Um, is it a bug? Is it a feature? Is it an undocumented feature? This bug. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's just do a, a quick sort of uh, uh, summary. Then I think really it uh, it boils down to automa- automation. Um, if you can get these tools automated in things like Slack, in uh, say your Sentry, your Bug Snag, your Datadog. Um, your monitoring systems, if you can get them cooking into various things using webhooks, uh, if you can get them hooking into time tracking tools, it's awesome. It really is awesome. you just got to be very careful about being in a walled garden. If you're in a walled garden, then it's very difficult to get out and you're at the mercy of uh, the company putting up their prices. And also, the more people you get on the team, the more you're going to have to pay because of these uh, user licenses and stuff. So yeah, that's the talk on uh, what makes a bug a good bug tracking tool. Um, they are, and I, I suppose I have said on the the title of the of of today's show is the best bug tracking tools. So I think out of all of them, the best one I think is Asana, in my opinion, um, and then Jira. Uh, I I reckon. Um, but I suppose, yeah, and then and then I guess you got Track and Bugzilla on and Redmine on the other side of the spectrum. Um, so I mean, I haven't played with them for over ten years, so I don't really know what they're like at the moment. But um, yeah, there we go, there we go. Thank you ever so much for watching. I'm really so sorry about this spammer thing. I'm getting, I don't know if it's the stuff that's happening on around the world, but um, it's. Uh, not good, not good, and um, I am considering the future of the podcast and, and the shape of it. Um, maybe I will be doing this less live, 
and uh, bringing guests on in the future. But I need to really think about the shape of of all of that. You can get this as always on the podcast. So this is howtocodewell.fm or you could get this on Spotify or on iTunes. Um, and of course, you can watch the uh, previous shows as well as all those guest shows that I talked about earlier um, on YouTube. Take care, everybody. Stay safe um, and uh, be good to each other. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye.